and welcome to episode number 135 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen, where we run down all the games in the NFL. Week nine is upon us, guys. We got going last night, uh, had a pretty bad blowout for the Packers over the 49ers, the incredibly depleted San Francisco 49ers. Um, we'll spend a ton of time talking about this one because not a lot to talk about. The cover got there. It was a very, very backdoor over. I feel sorry for the underbetters out there. It touched down with four seconds left in the game. So that feels terrible for, uh, for our friends out there that had the under. You were probably on the right side of that bet. Just a bad outcome for you. Uh, Brad, I'll start with you just real quick. The shocking thing to me, so this thing opened at two and a half, which is where I got it. Uh, I was, I like the Packers anyway, but the 49ers, if you were just watching that game last week, you knew they were going to be without Jimmy Garoppolo. You knew they were going to be without George Kittle. Debo Samuel was not expected back as it was anyway. So you, it, you knew of those three anyway, and then it just got, you know, compounded by the COVID stuff. But this line opened at two and a half and I'm like, what in the hell is this line? at two and a half for knowing they're going to have their best player on the sideline, their starting quarterback on the sideline, their best wide receiver on the sideline. It was just so incredibly puzzling to me. And it's the first game that I've gotten down on heavy off of an opening line. I, I just have not done that at all so far this season. We did see the game get pulled off the board, comes back up at three and a half, instantly gets bet to four and a half, gets bet to five and a half, then gets all the way up to at one point seven and a half. Now at this point, I get the buyback. Like you, you get you're getting a seven and a hook. I understand. I think this game is going to sit on a seven, and then we see this thing fall to six and a half, and even a six right before game time. What what do you think people saw in this that would give them confidence in in continuing to bet this 49ers team that was literally had to call receivers off their practice squad just to have warm bodies on the field. Um, I, th- I think there's a few things, a few reasons people like the 49ers. I mean, one, the market seems to like Nick Mullins. You know, even when they were <laughs> when he played against the Eagles, they went off eight and a half point favorites in that game. You know, it was it was a bigger line than when Jimmy G was slated to start. So the market didn't seem to downgrade him at all then, and obviously he played well last week. Um, I mean, I think that's definitely a mistake. Obviously, he's he's not good. Like if if the first read isn't open, he'll just chuck it up in the air, and he, he did that. Um, and then and then I think. The other thing was a the travel for for Green Bay, you know, so it's a fair old trip on a on a short week. And then I would say, finally, the matchup, you know, they they cannot stop the run, and um, I guess people thought they'd be able to run the ball. So, yeah, I, I think six was probably a bit short, but um, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not like the San Francisco team didn't want to be there. Um, they, I, I think they they looked to me they looked very flat. Like they knew they weren't going to win. They knew they didn't have the weapons to win, and uh, obviously Green Bay wanted some revenge from last year. Uh, Brett, I want to talk to you about this because you do this sometimes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do you think that these bets coming in on San Francisco were be, were, were were people being a little too cute? Do you think it was people yes. who were who yes. were looking who were reading a little bit too far into something and trying too hard to be contrarian when sometimes the obvious is just the obvious for a reason? Oh yeah, I definitely do that sometimes, and I think this this absolutely was. I mean, there was like steam on on the night. Yeah, as that game closed. So yeah, there were there were people who were trying to to find a way for the Niners to be on the right side of it, and clearly that was not the case with the roster that they uh, they formed last. Yeah, time. no no Garoppolo, no Tevin Coleman, no George Kittle, no Debo Samuel, no Brandon Ayuk, no Kendrick Bourne, and then Trent Williams throwing your starting left tackle on top of that 
no Trent Williams as well. And yet somehow they continued to draw money when Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were walking out onto the field for the Packers. And then we find out 90 minutes before game time that Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that Aaron Jones was also going to be going for the, the Packers as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think this could be a lesson to our new, our new listeners out there and our new betters. One, don't chase steam. Because like you could see, you know, uh, there was probably some people last night that saw this movement and thought that there was something that they didn't see, that they didn't know. And they were probably making bets they probably should not have. And um, so don't do that. And two, sometimes the obvious things are obvious for a reason. So let's kick off everything here, guys, this week with one of the more interesting games, I think, on the board. In the Bears and the Titans. So the Bears on the road at the Titans. They are six and a half point favorites are the Titans at home. Uh, Brett, let me start with you on this one. So we figured that this Bears team was kind of smoke and mirrors. It has proven to be that. However, this Titans team has also lost a couple in a row, not looking very good in doing so. And it almost not to the level of the Ravens. But it does seem to me that this Titans team is kind of a front runner. It, if they get out to a lead, they can bully you and just beat you down. And you're, it's very difficult to come back. But when we I, again, not to the level of the Ravens, but it seems like when this Titans team falls behind, they have a much, much harder time catching up than where the, than when they're front runners. Yeah, which is interesting because they are, I think, number two passing offense mm-hmm. in the NFL, according to DVOA. But that, again, I think that's a little fraudulent, too. I think a lot of that is built off their success with the run games so that opens up uh, some passing opportunities in like neutral script or positive script. I agree. Yeah, if this team falls behind, they, they're in trouble. But I, I'm not really worried about that this week. Oh, so you th- you're, you're, you're liking the Titans this week. I mean, I think this line's pretty fair. Uh-huh. Uh, short of seven, I do lean Tennessee. They just have a far better offense than Chicago, which justifies this line. The question is whether the, the Titans passing offense, which has been excellent, like I said, can move the ball against the top five Bears uh, pass defense. And then you know, in the high leverage situations in the red zone, can the Titans continue to punch it in at such a high percentage? The number two in the NFL there where Chicago has been very good at containing uh, teams in the red zone. So this is a this is a pretty interesting matchup. I do think though, this is a little short of where it should. I actually it is it's six and a half now, right? Yeah. Anything short of seven, I do lean Tennessee, but I think this is a pretty far line. Brad, um, we got a, a defense here in the Bears that have actually been playing pretty well. When you look at their pass defense, if you uh, if you look at their pass defense DVOA fifth overall, if you look at their rush defense DVOA eleventh overall, their coverage rank in uh, according to Pro Football Focus. It is sixth overall pass rush is sixth as well. So the defense should at least keep this competitive with the Titans. So is six and a half too many or is it just a little bit short? Um, I think it's a tough one, to be honest. There's a lot of questions I don't know the answer to here. So I do think that the Titans might struggle up front. Um, you know, we, we know they lost Taylor Lewan a couple of weeks ago and they, they, they faced the Steelers the first game after that and they, they couldn't move the ball really at all in the first half and then they got it going in the second half and I, I think so, so, I, so I can see the Bears having similar, similar success um, you know with Khalil Mack against the backup left tackle um, but I, I do kind of think the Titans scheme is good enough they will still move the ball somewhat and then on the other side I think that maybe the most important fact here is the Bears offensive line here they could be down four of their five starters 
Um, so you would think probably Tennessee might get some pass rush and that's going to be effective against Nick Foles. But you would have thought that last week when the Bengals had like three of five offensive linemen missing yeah. as well. And then, then the Titans got two court, quarterback hits in the entire game and gave up 30 points or whatever it was. So and then the other thing is like this is a historically bad third down Tennessee defense. You know, they're giving out like two mm-hmm. percent conversions, which which has to improve, you would think, given the talent they have on that defensive line. Um and then the Bears are the thirty first ranked offense on third down. So you've got the, the immovable a movable force versus a unmoving object. So yeah, I, I just I, I don't really know what happens here to be honest. I, I just thought six and a half was good. Yeah, I um Probably not going to make my account. I think that if I had to play a side, I would hold my nose and play the Bears um, just because I think that, that that defense is good enough to kind of slow this offense down. And I think it could be end up being kind of a field goal type game, but not confident enough to put that in my account. So I will probably be sitting this one out uh, when it all comes down to it. Um. I'm going to start this one off and I'm going to not start with Brett this time. I'm actually going to start with Brad and then we'll get Brett's uh, closing opinions on this. But the Seattle Seahawks on the road going to Buffalo, taking on the uh, Buffalo Bills. We are sitting with the Seahawks right now universally at three point favorites. Now varying juice out there. So keep an eye on this line throughout the course of, you know, throughout the course of a little bit because some, some, some places have this juiced pretty heavily. Um, total of 54 and a half. There is a 55 out there as well. So Brad, we, we saw, you know, Buffalo start off very, very hot. Then a couple of duds thrown in there, but, uh, did come back and, and at least get a win last week. Then you have the Seattle Seahawks who look offense, the way Russ is playing wide receiver situation, everything is, is amazing for them, but that defense continues to give up an incredible amount of yards and an incredible amount of offensive success. So um, what gives in this one? Because the strength of Buffalo, this team now is a passing team. They have been built to be a passing team and not a running team. And that is where the Seattle Seahawks team is actually susceptible. Um, I think both defenses give. I I, I like the over here. Um, We'll probably lean to the Seattle side. So I think, you know, we know that in general, good offense will be good defense. Um, so, and the Bills don't even have a good defense. So, I'm, I'm confident that the Seahawks will score 30. Um, so, and they're, they're again, well, I speak about this, spoke about this last week that they're the perfect over team, really. I think they've, they've gone under twice of their seven games, both times by about a point. Because um, they, they throw a lot on early downs. They, you know, they throw, throw throughout the game, they go quite quickly in terms of pace, and then they stop the run. So, they, they force you to throw against them. So, I think Seattle games averaging just under 63 points a game this year. Um, and so it's basically, can can Buffalo chip in with, you know, 24, something like that? Um, and I think they can. I think, obviously, they, they've fallen off a fair bit. I, definitely perception is that Josh Allen has really sort of regressed to what he was last year than what he was earlier in the year. But if you, you go through these games the last few weeks, so against the Patriots, you know, that, that total was bet down three points because of the wind. Um, but they still managed to put up 24. You know, they probably outperformed there. Um, against the Bills, they only put up 18, but they kicked eight field goal attempts. They, they only made six of them. Although I don't think they punted once in that game. So, you know, they were moving the ball well. And then against the Chiefs, they only scored 17, but it was horrible rain and stuff there. Against the against the Titans, they only scored 16, but there was rain in that game. There was a short, It was a short week. It was weird preparation because of COVID. So I think when they're forced to throw here, I think they're going to be 
much more successful than what we've seen in the last month. It's going to be more like the team that put up 30 against the Raiders, 35 against the Rams. I think it's going to be more like that. So, um, yeah, I, I thought 54.5 was a very cheap over. All right, Brett, it's uh, your home team here. I guess you can go ahead. I mean, I, I from what I've seen, we're not having any weather issues up there, right? So it should be a good day. So we shouldn't be worried at all from a total standpoint because it doesn't look like it's going to be one of those weird Buffalo weather days. Yeah, very different conditions this week than last week. I, this is a very interesting matchup. To me, Seattle is just a significantly better team than Buffalo. You see it in the average win margin. You see... You see it in points per play, yards per play, all the key metrics. Buffalo's been average. They've been below average the past several weeks, which partly due to weather, partly due to injuries, but those injuries are still lingering, and now they're likely to be down their starting center and Mitch Morse as well. That's a big blow to a Bills offensive line that's done an excellent job giving Josh Allen pockets, and we know what happens when Josh Allen doesn't have clean pockets to work with. And like Brad said, defensively, the Bills have looked like anything but the stout Bills defense that we've seen in past years. 22nd pass defense DVOA, 24th against the run, 24th in opponent drive success rate. I would feel really good if I had a Seahawks minus two and a half ticket in my account. That number was available earlier in the week, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen again. So this is a no play for me at three with juice and it looks like it's headed to three and a half. But I'm with Brad on the total. I love the over here. I think the way that with these these two teams play offense in neutral pace, this Seattle especially, there's a big case to be made for the over. The weather looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, great passing conditions for two teams who throw a well against teams who can't uh, can't defend it. So I think over, over 54 for me is the play. So I did get in on that two and a half, Brett. Um, took, the, took the Seahawks two and a half in this one. And um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm trying to read the tea leaves, but it does look like this is finally the week that Jamal Adams gets back on the field out there. And we often talk about the skill position players that aren't going to be out there or that will be out there. But Jamal Adams is about as important a defensive player for a team as you could possibly have return. Um, the guy does it all. He really does everything. He covers great. He is great against the run game. He was their best pass rusher before he got hurt as well. Like the guy literally does everything for this uh, Seattle Seahawks team. It looks like he, he's, he's practiced the last couple of days, so he hadn't been in that type of situation. And according to the beat writers, it looks like he's going to give it a go. And um, I think that could be the difference maker here in a game like this. Uh, you know, one play here or there in a game that we expect to be high scoring could be all that they really need in order to go ahead and, and secure the win in this thing. So I do really like the Seahawks at two and a half in this. As you mentioned, Brett, we are sitting at three right now, and it's three that's uh, that's juiced. And so don't know if we're going to see uh, the two and a half again. So not a strong recommendation on the three, but I guess, again, we're going with the if we had to play it thing. If I had to play it, I would play it with the three on Seattle. Um, Denver on the road at Atlanta. I will let you two take this away. There's a game every week when I look down the schedule and I will take a pin and I will say, I want no part of that game whatsoever because I'm not going to spend any time going nuts over this thing because I can't, this thing could go 20 different ways to me. So I don't want anything to do with it. This is the game this week that I want nothing to do with. Uh, Atlanta, four, four and a half point home favorites, a total of 50, Brett. Yeah, Denver's actually one of my favorite plays of the week. Major, major injuries on both sides of the ball for the Falcons, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Dante Fowler uh, 
Tack McKinney. Not they haven't practiced yet this week. That's those are the two guys who have accounted for a lot of the Falcons' pressures this year. That's how you get uh, to Drew Locke. That's how you beat Drew Locke. Get pressure on him, force him into bad decisions, and he will give it away. He will hand it to you. I think Drew Locke's going to be fine in this spot. Atlanta already 29th in pass defense, DVOA 31st in yards per pass allowed, and now without the ability to win the line of scrimmage against a bad Broncos offensive line. This might be the only game outside of maybe the Jets game where the Broncos have clean pockets to work out of. And then on the other side of the ball, Calvin Ridley has not practiced this week. We know the Falcons can't run the football. I just I, I like the way this sets up for Denver. I think they're going to be aggressive early through the air, exploit the deficiencies on this Atlanta defense. And I actually like them to win this game outright. They're plus 175 in the money line. So I think Denver, this is a game Denver can win. Brad, like I said, uh, I didn't have much of an opinion. I'm glad that Brett does because maybe he can talk me into doing something. Uh, what are you looking at when you see this game? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm broadly similar to Brett there. I took a little bit of um, Broncos plus four and it's, it's, it's the matchups of the Broncos weapons versus that Falcons kind of 30th ranked pass defense. Um, so that they, they should have Tim Patrick back this week. So they've got Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick. Um, KJ Hamler, like that's that's four good weapons who who are going up against the sort of paper thin secondary. Um, so I think they should be able to spread it around, and I'm hoping they do pass the ball. Um, you know they got down quite big in that game last week, and then they opened it right up in kind of the fourth quarter, started throwing almost an eighty percent clip, and they obviously quickly scored three touchdowns. So. Um, it, it sounds like Vic Fangio has been getting questions all week about are you going to throw it more are you going to throw it more so I'm hoping that that is the plan this week they just come out chuck it around to these weapons um, because th- th- there's no way these, if you give say one point for home field th- I can't see how you think anyone would think that the Falcons are three points clearly better than the Broncos you know they're, they're two just poor teams really and I think anytime you're getting this many points or that kind of money line probably about uh, guys, I'm looking here and, uh, you know, again, we, they are getting a weapon back as you mentioned in, in, in Tim Patrick and all that, but the receiving prop on Jerry Judy is 47 and a half yards. Tell me why I'm not going to hammer the over on that. Like he, he, he's going over. He's going I mean, over. He's, that 65% I, yeah, I like the over. I mean, we're talking like great conditions in a dome in a game where we think the easiest path to victory is to throw the ball. Uh, Jerry Judy, 47 and a half yards. Seems like a pretty interesting play to me. Might have to pop that one in the old count when we get off the, uh, when we get off the air here. Yeah, I think he's going to go off this week. He's getting targets. Mm-hmm. He has like a 20% target share. So they just haven't been able to get it to him. Accurately. Yeah. So if that happens this week, I guess a bad Falcons defense, he could totally pop off this. Week. Yeah, really do. Really do like that one. I, I'm glad we, uh, glad we found that. Um, okay, so let's move into a game that has been off the board, on and off the board, on and off the board. It is back on the board, it looks like. Um, and actually, at DraftKings, it is not back up yet. Is this... Uh, is this a game where Matthew Stafford is has been having to sit out the week due to COVID concerns? Now, Brad, uh, Brad, if he were to test positive, he would be, I mean, uh, test negative on these consecutive days. He would be able to play on Sunday. So we won't spend too much time since there is some uncertainty here. 
but let's at least kind of give people a quick look here because it does look like he probably will play. He's tested negative these, these last, you know, three days. So another day, another two days of uh, negative tests and he plays on Sunday. It was a four point spread in favor of Minnesota when it went off the board, a total of 52 and a half. So let's assume Stafford does play. So we're handicapping this game just pretty much straight up. Other than the fact that Stafford didn't get in practices this week, but we're talking like, you know, we're talking a longtime veteran here. I don't know that this affects him near as much as it does other quarterbacks. Yep, that's fair. Um, well, I quite like the under here. So we've got the the most run-heavy team on early downs in the Vikings. They're running at 57% of the time on early downs. And then the Lions, who I you know, go on about this quite a lot, <laughs> they're 29th in that same metric running yeah. Um, you know, well over fifty percent on early downs with Adrian Peterson. Um, so especially with Stafford out this week, you would think the Lions would commit even more to that um, and, and just keep on running the ball. So I just thought with two teams that know each other well, that that going to run the ball more than half the time on early downs, they they both go slow as well. I just thought fifty one, fifty two, whatever this comes out at, I w- anything over fifty one, I would I would bet under. Brett, like again. I'm just going to assume Stafford's playing. He's tested negative the past few days. I mean, we know how this kind of song and dance goes. They're going to definitely go with him if he's able to play on Sunday. So I imagine the line will repost pretty much in the same neighborhood that it was kind of in that four-ish range, in that 52, 52 and a half-ish range. Is there anything, if that were to pop up, you know, look, and I I was talking to a bookmaker last night who said, look, on Saturday, if he gets another negative test on Saturday, we'll probably put the game back up. So um, if this thing comes back up on Saturday, is there anything you like about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I do see this as a pretty good spot to sell the Vikings after that went over Green Bay last week. And yeah, if, if, if you think Stanford is going to play, I think we're buying right now at, at four and a half is, is the play. I mean, he, Stafford should be able to dice up this Minnesota secondary, even without Kenny Galladay. Uh, but if Stafford doesn't go, you're left in a a world of pain with Chase Daniel in there without Kenny Galladay. Uh, without, without Stafford, this team was a complete yeah. disaster last year. So I, I'm, I'm definitely staying away from this one, even though you can't find a line and bet a line right now. I just, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. I, um, I think it's a Vikings or pass play for me, um, but I don't have a strong, I don't have strong convictions on, on that one at all. This, the, this Lions offense has been night and day without Kenny Galladay in that lineup. It has been really, really bad without Kenny Galladay in that lineup and without him in there and having to rely on all these kind of ancillary borderline twos, which are really probably more like NFL threes as opposed to twos. Uh, I just don't think even against a, a pretty bad, even against a pretty bad Vikings defense, um, I don't think that they're going to be able to have tons of success. So it would be a, it'd be a Vikings surpass for me. Uh, guys, let's take a look at one of the more interesting games of the week. Uh, some interesting line movement in this one as well. Brett is the Baltimore Ravens on the road at the Indianapolis Colts. This thing opened at two and a half. It has been bet down to Ravens favored by one, one and a half, depend on where you look at it. 48, 48 and a half is the total on this thing as well. Um, we are looking at a look, you and I both. Higher on the Colts, I think, than most coming into the season. Stumbled out of the gate a little bit, but maybe that was to be expected with a new quarterback and trying to get things going with a you know new running 
pretty much a new running game because Marlon Mack goes out early. So you're having to break in a new running back. You had uh, brought in some new wide receivers as well. So maybe they just need a little bit longer to look as good as they did last week than in than than it people thought, you know. And so now this line moves in their favor, and um, they are just one and a half point dogs at home against the Ravens. This number at first glance looks like disrespect to the Ravens, considering there is next to zero home field advantage to play in 2020. But looking closer, and we've been saying this for weeks, this is not your 2019 Baltimore Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson has been bad this year. They're 24th in pass offense DVOA. And no, Lamar Jackson is not known for his arm, but Baltimore was first in the NFL in pass offense DVOA mm-hmm. last year. So they went from first, they're currently sitting in 24th. That, and that's clearly becoming a problem from, you know, extending from the field to the locker room and even now social media. You got Marquise Brown complaining about his lack of presence in this offense. Like things are not go- looking good for this Ravens offense right, right now. So I'm, I'm actually slightly favoring Indy in this game. I kept this as a pick, but I'd be fine with the Colts minus one here as well. I think these two teams are very similar in the way they operate. They control the clock. They tie, they tire out the opposition by pounding the ball on the ground. I love the under here because I'm not sure the secret is fully out yet. How bad this Baltimore offense has been and may continue to be. So under 48 is one of my favorite plays of the week. Brad, we're looking at a Colts team that under the radar is actually fourth in the league in net yards per play. If you kind of think again under the radar, I don't think people realize how good this Colts defense has been as well. Like we are, when we talk about elite defenses, we bring up Tampa, we bring up Pittsburgh. We don't really bring up Indianapolis, but then you look, pass defense, fourth overall DVOA, rush defense, fifth overall DVOA, ninth best coverage grade. According to Pro Football Focus, the 10th best rush defense, according to Pro Football Focus. So this has actually been one of the better defenses in the NFL. And I think it's just, you know, Tampa's been so good and so flashy and Pittsburgh's been so good and so flashy with these signature wins as well in primetime games and high and spotlighted games where people are actually watching those defenses and say like, oh, OK, yeah, this is, these are guys are as good as advertised. But instead, kind of quietly lurking is this Colts team that is literally right behind both of those teams when it comes to overall defense, according to pro football focus. So is this defense good enough to limit and or shut down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? So I think some of those metrics are a little bit inflated by the, by the schedule. They've, they've had one of the easiest schedules that Colts defense. So I think when they face an elite offense, I, I wouldn't be scared to go against them. But as, as Brett says, as you say, the, I don't think this is an elite offense. Um, they, they don't pass the ball well. Now they're going to be without their all-pro left tackle here, Ronnie Stanley. They're reshuffling the whole offensive line. I think they're moving the right tackle, left tackle, moving the right guard out to right tackle. So I don't think they're going to be able to pass the ball that well. I don't think they're going to be as efficient as they normally are running the ball as well, given given those moves up front. Um, and then what we also know about the Ravens is they operate the sixth slowest pace in neutral situations. They're the second most run-heavy team in neutral situations. Um, and then, so, you know, I think we've got sort of a, a lowish scoring one side of the ball. The, the Colts are quite similar. They're the 21st quickest team. Um, their games average the fourth fewest combined snaps. Um, so and they, they also don't really have weapons themselves. Uh, I think T.Y. Hilton's going to miss. So who have they got on the outside? I know that the Ravens are going to be missing Marlon Humphreys, one of the best corners in the league, but they've still got two good corners. They've still got a good secondary, good linebacker. 
I don't really think the Colts have got anyone to actually scare the Ravens either. So I like Brett's angle. I think we're going to have a slow moving, lots of running, lots of not that successful running, uh, and not much pass it, passing explosion. So uh, yeah, I like the under 48 as well. That is, uh, that is very interesting. I rarely do this, but um, I actually did a same game teaser for this one on when it was at two and a half and took the Colts to eight and a half and the under for pretty much everything that you guys said right there, because it's a correlated play for me. I think if the, if this game stays close, certainly the Colts keep it uh, within eight and a half. And if they keep it within eight and a half, then that means I don't think that they're scoring very much. You know, I don't think there's very much scoring in this game at all. And I'm with you guys on this. Like it, look, the Ravens defense has been good. They're going to blitz Phillip Rivers a ton. We know that about them, but um, Phillip Rivers, if there's anything, he's a, he's a veteran dude. He'll be able to pick up on some of these things. We kind of saw that with this Ravens team a couple of different times this year when they face these, these quarterbacks that are really good or, or have a ton of experience that can, can recognize certain blitzes and be able to get the ball out of their hands quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is like a dead read, and I'm with you guys 100%. I think that this is, could end up being a – I'm not going to say the worst game of the week because from a football standpoint, it'll be – a good game. I'm saying worst game of the week from like a fan standpoint. This thing could be, you know, 17-13 or something or some kind of like just kind of ugly low scoring game where people are going to be like, what the hell is going on? But, you know, a couple of good defenses, a couple of struggling offenses. And uh, I, I think we're getting very, very few points in this. So not a lot of sexy fantasy value. No, no, no. I would be yes. from a DFS standpoint. I would be running from this game for sure. That is not the one I think that I would want to be to be playing at all. No Zach Pascal in your lineups this week is what you're saying, Brett. No, <laughs> no, no, no Zach Pascal. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers on the road at the Kansas city chiefs. It is sitting 10 and a half right now. Um, there is a flat 10. If you are looking to bet the Kansas city chiefs, 52 and a half is our total Brett, this Chiefs team, as we talked about it, as multifaceted, multidimensional as any offense in the league. If they need to beat you running, they can do it. If they need to beat you passing, they can do it. And if they can run a balanced offense and beat you, they'll run a balanced offense and beat you as well. Carolina Panthers disappoint on an island game. So people, that's the last memory that they have of the Carolina Panthers. Um, 10, 10 and a half. Do you think the Panthers are being disrespected here? or? Again, we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. I do not think they're being disrespected. I don't know how the Panthers get stops in this game. They don't get any consistent pressure on the quarterback. Brian Burns is the only guy who's winning up front. And they play zone to keep defenses in front of them. So they don't get killed deep with this lousy secondary. And that has worked against a handful of bad offenses this year. But you can't, you can't just sit back against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They'll just pick you apart wherever they need to. So, I mean, they might, the Carolina might be able to take deep balls away from Tyreek and, and Hardman, but will they're going to get shredded underneath. I mean, this is a Travis, I think this is a Travis Kelsey for whatever he wants. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Panthers allow a 70% completion to opponents because they're happy to just give it up underneath. So Kelsey should eat all day. And the problems teams find themselves in when they're playing from behind against Kansas City is you play right into what they do well. And that's defend the pass. They're seventh pass def- defense DVOA, third in yards per yards per pass allowed. I think the only way Carolina keeps this close 
is if they get McCaffrey and Mike Davis operating on the ground for as long as possible. But I, I don't know, man, teams, teams freak out and, and they, they try to keep pace with uh, the chiefs and it ends up horribly for them. I think that's one of those games. Brad, so, you know, look, we know that the Achilles heel of this Chiefs defense is their run defense. So if there was a way to attack this team, it would be on the ground. We expect the Panthers to probably be fairly run heavy in this game to try and one, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline and two, attack this defense the best way that you possibly can. That being said, the problem with being a run heavy team as opposed to being a, a pass heavy team is your your margin for error in that is so incredibly thin, right? Because you're only gaining the three and four yard kind of pickups. Yeah. You might get a five every now and then or something, but you often are going to continue to find yourselves over, over and over and over again in third down situations. And then you're having to make a play to convert on third down as to where these passing teams are just moving the ball down the field, you know, at will sometimes, which is probably what's going to happen from a chief standpoint here. 10 and a half is still a lot of points in the NFL. Will the run heavy approach keep it within that double digit number? Um, I would probably lean that way. Yes, I, I would lean towards the Panthers. So they they probably will have success running the ball, but I don't think I don't think we should rule out that they can move the ball through the air as well. I mean, this is the twelfth ranked offense by DVOA. Um, you know they, they've got good weapons. They've got DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, who's who's getting the ball a lot. Um, so. You know, I don't think we should just say, "Oh, they can only run the ball." I think they can they can score their team total or whatever. I can see them scoring twenty four. Um, will they stop the Chiefs? Um, I, I, again, I don't think that's out the question. Um, so the, the Chiefs still have some injuries up front. Right tackle Mitchell Schwartz will be out. Uh, right guard Kalecio Semele will be out. Um, we, we've not really seen it affect them in recent weeks, but you know they played the Jets, they played the Bills with no pass rush, so. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to go the Chargers route here, play the zones, as you say, and try and rush with four. Um, but they are getting healthier on that D-line with, uh, with Brian Burns back, with yet a gross Matos back. So I can, see, I can see them giving them to 30 instead of, you know, 37. So, yeah, I, I would probably lean Panthers, but I'm not involved yet. Yeah, this Panthers defense um, has the 26th overall graded uh, coverage unit According to Pro Football Focus, their pass defense DVOA, 20th. Uh, their top-rated corner is actually the 48th-rated corner, according to Pro Football Focus. So, like, their best corner is one of still kind of like the, the middling to low-middling corners in all of the NFL. And so, with so many different ways to attack this team, the Kansas City Chiefs, so um, just a just a, a peek behind the, the curtain here. So. Not only did I have the Packers last night, um, you know, just at two and a half on the opener. After everything was all said and done, right before the, you know, before the game gets going, I did go ahead and 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 tease it down as well. Opened up a teaser with the Packers with this game and pulled the Chiefs down from double digits down to four, uh, four and a half, and so. I have some I have some stake in this one at at four and a half on the Chiefs and. I feel really, really confident in that. It would shock me if this isn't a touchdown win for the Chiefs, and it wouldn't shock me at all if this was a two-touchdown win for the Chiefs. I think we've seen when the Panthers' offense starts to get clunk, when things aren't working 
for Rule and Brady right now on the offense? Like when things are rolling, it seems like they get in a great pattern in play calling and things just continue to move and go and go. When things get clunky, I don't know if Brady has quite figured out the NFL quite yet because it seems like when they get clunky, they get clunky for long stretches. And if that's the case, that's going to be super bad news for them because then they're going to look up and they're going to find themselves down 21 points or 24 points or something like that. So um, again, I'm invested on in a teaser leg in on the chiefs. And if I had to play a side the way that it is, I think I'd probably play the chiefs as well, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Houston on the road at Jacksonville. This uh, Brad is gotten all the way to seven at uh, some places. This is a game we are not going to see Gardner Minshew because, you know, like a good employee hid from his boss that he has, you know, broken bones in his, oh, throwing hand. He's a quarterback in the NFL, by the way. Like, and he's hiding that he has this done. So we are going to see Jake Luton at quarterback for the, uh, for the, for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in this. Of course, Houston Texans, one of the more disappointing teams in all the NFL. Seems like they're always kind of right there, but just can't get the job done on a week-to-week basis. Um, they are touchdown favorites on the road. How do you feel about this one? Um, yeah, this is probably one I'm not involved. Don't overthink it. Don't back the bad team with a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, as, as you were saying earlier, if it's if it's obvious, you know, sometimes it's obvious for a reason. So <laughs> I, I, I could only back the Texans here. Like, you know, it, it is a good offense with with Deshaun in there, especially since Bob's gone. You know, they're kind of top ten. So my only my only concern and the only reason I haven't backed it actually is the both Texans pass rushes, outside pass rushes, are uh, look like they're going to be out due to COVID protocol, and so this. It's basically JJ Watt or bust, and the, the Jags' O line is is not as bad as the rest of the team. So, if this rookie quarterback's got all sorts of time back there, you know he he might be able to do something, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a terrible game, really, isn't it? To be honest, you it, it, ignore it. It's yeah, like, it's I know it. It's like one of the least sexy games I think of of the week to me. Um, uh, look, Brett. At the end of the day. It should be, it should be an easy Texans win, but I think that we've learned that nothing is easy with this Texans team. And there's been spots where we're looking like, how in the world can this not be a team that can either win this game outright or cover this game? And then they've continued to kind of let us down time and time again. Um, I'm not saying I'm looking back at the past and I'm gun shy on this. I just think that, you know, I don't like this Texans team enough. I don't think to say, yeah, they're definitely a touchdown better than, you know, most teams in the NFL. Yeah, we'd say that about the Jets if they were playing the Jets or, if, you know, whatever, the Cowboys. But I don't know outside of that if I'm super comfortable saying that they're a touchdown better than than anybody. Yeah, this game is so interesting because I, I really do want to back Jacksonville with this backup quarterback. The look <laughs> at here was the, no, the look at here was Texas minus yeah. four. So this moved two and a half, three points with Gardner Minshew news. But I think the Jags probably just try to ride the running game in this one, facing one of the worst run defenses in the league. And if they're successful, it's going to be difficult for Houston to cover a big number. I don't know what to expect from this this Jake Luton. <laughs> for, all, for all we know, he might actually be better. I mean, he might. He could be. Yeah. But even if he's not better, he might be more reliable if you're backing a big underdog because Minshew's prone to just fling it in negative script and oftentimes play his team out of a backdoor cover. So. 
I mean, the Jags just might stay to script for all 60 minutes in this one and just ride. Uh, I can't even James Robinson. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's where, that's, that's where, where we are, are with it. Yeah, I know. I can, I can also see myself putting Jags on my circuit card this week. So I, I, it's good to hear that you guys aren't leaning one way or another in this one. Um, you know, obviously Watson against this pass defense is a concern and there is an obvious path to a Houston blowout, but, um, I do, I don't know. I, I think the Jags just stay to script and run the football in this game. And I think they can keep it close for four quarters. That's how I, I, I guess I'm a little gun shy because the, the, um, the Danucci start is still very fresh in my memory. <laughs> yeah. And if like, if, if, if Luton goes out there and it's anything like Danucci, then like, I'm like, Oh boy, like th- this, th- could you imagine holding a Jaguars ticket? And then he goes out there and he looks like Danucci and you're just like, Hey, uh, what, what am I doing? Like, why, what in the hell was he I thinking? He might be, the, he might yeah. be Danucci. I don't, like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, you've you'd got, feel you've like such a brave. To... Yeah, you'd feel like such an idiot. Like, you'd just like, God, I'm such <laughs> yeah. an asshole. Like, what, what, what was I thinking? This was a horrible decision on my part. Um, let's take a look at this one. And I actually think this is one of the more interesting games of the week, especially considering how this line has moved. So the Washington football team against the New York Giants. Uh, New York Giants on the road at the Washington football team. Washington coming off of a bye. This thing opened at some shops at three and a half, some shops at three, but it has universally moved off of that three down to two and a half. So some support has been coming in on the Washington, uh, on the New York Giants. And now you can get this Washington football team at under a field goal. So Brett, if you look kind of like up and down these rosters, right? And I think that the very big difference in how this game could go is how miserable can the Washington front, can the Washington defensive front make life for Daniel Jones? Because we saw this play out. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Under pressure, the guy cannot handle himself. He has 42 turnover worthy plays. Since the beginning of last season, according to Pro Football Focus. Now that, of course, if you're listening, you don't know what that means. That does not mean that he's turned the ball over 42 times, but he has made plays in a game that were deemed turnover worthy, you know, dropped interceptions, different things like that. 42 different times since the beginning of last season. We know if there is any sort of strength to this football team, it would be getting up front, getting pressure and trying to make life miserable for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at this the same way I did the first time these two teams played when I was, I think we were all on Washington, right? They they covered, they didn't win, but the final score really didn't tell the whole story. Washington had 100 more yards of offense. They took away any semblance of a passing game from Daniel Jones. The only offense the Giants had was from Jones on the ground. Uh, Washington here coming off the bye, they're healthy. The Giants on the other side off a short week, a grueling Monday night football game against Tampa. I I pretty much had the same take as I had the first time these two teams played. I expect Washington to take control of this game early and then just step on Daniel Jones's throat with the Giants. Hopefully a negative script with this pass rush. Um, I love I love Washington here. I love that we can get it under a field goal now too. Yeah, I I really like Washington. I think this will be a contest play for me. I think this will be a straight bet for me. And um, the more I dig into it, and the more you know, I listen to you guys. Maybe it will be. Even uh, maybe it'll be even bigger play for me because look, it is just uh, it is a big mismatch going into this game. And 
look, I, I, I've seen enough of Daniel Jones to know what we're going to get. We're going to get at least one turnover. They just, as the Giants, they just have to pray it's not two or three. Like you're, you know for sure you are going to get one turnover. Will you get two or three? And then this game could actually get fairly ugly for the Washington team. What do you think, Brad? Yep, I am inclined to agree. So I'd, I'd probably liked, when it was plus three, I probably would have gone the Giants. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not a huge play for me going the other way at Washington minus two and a half. Um, but yeah, it, it, is, it is that that pass rush matchup. So the New York offensive line, 32nd in pass block win rate and uh, Washington second in adjusted sack rate. So it, it should be a mismatch. Uh, you, I wonder if this line moved partially because of that Monday night performance. Um, but the Bucks came out and said afterwards that they just had no energy. Um, yeah. you know, maybe they were looking ahead to the Saints. I think they said they arrived at the stadium and it, it felt like it was closed because it was so dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they, they just... So I, I guess that was probably why the uh, New York offensive line looked better than I, than I expected, certainly. But um, you, you would expect the, the Redskins to have a lot more focus here, division game, off a bye. Um, and they, they should tear them up. They, you know, Daniel Jones, he's, he's good for a turnover or two. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. I like the Washington. A interesting, uh, another interesting line, kind of how this thing has gone, is the Las Vegas Raiders on the road at the Chargers. Guys, this thing opened in favor of the Chargers. Then it gets bet down, gets bet down more. Then it t- goes to a pick. Now, it, at least at BetMGM, it has flipped to the Raiders. You can still find the other side if you want it. So there is no consensus at all as to how this game should look there is uh there are varying opinions all over the place but it is one either one way or the other it's you're either finding one in favor of the chargers or one in favor of the raiders a total of 51 and a half on this one um brad when we look at this it has been the same story over and over again for this chargers team and it's honestly like kind of pretty laughable slash sad that they continue to get into these 16 plus point leads and blow them, which is now four weeks in a row that they've had 16 point or more leads and have blown them. Uh, Justin Herbert looking every bit, the NFL quarterback, you can't really blame it on him. I mean, he's going to make a rookie mistake every now and then, but by and large, he is certainly an upgrade over to Rod Taylor. And then this Raiders team that I thought was going to be pretty bad has not been bad. They're okay with their kind of, New with, with that dink and dunk offense and now with rugs every now and then they'll throw it downfield just to kind of keep you honest. But hey, that's a that's a good element to have is to when you add a rugs into there. Um, so one on each side, Brad. So pick a side if you like. the If you like one, you can get it on either side here. What do you think about this game? No. So no side for me, but I love the total here. Um, I, I don't really know who's been betting it down all week from sort of 53 and a half to 51 and a half now but um, I'm, I'm happy to go against it here. So if we, we just start with the Chargers, you spoke about Herbert. Herbert, So top 10 in DVOA since he's been in there, third in passing yards per game, eighth in QBR. Um, and they've also changed the way they play since they realised, oh, we've got a quarterback who can who can hit our weapons. Being the fifth fastest team in situa- situation neutral snap rate, the pass rate is up into the top half of the league now as well. Um, so they're going against the Raiders' pass defence, which doesn't really stop anyone to be honest you know they were well, they were wind assisted last week but when they play a real offense like uh like these charges i think they're going to be shredded so that should also then force the raiders to open it up you know we know gruden in an ideal world he, he'd like to pound the football all day long um 
but I think they're going to be forced to throw here. And when they've got a Trent Brown on the field and in the right tackle, this offensive line is, is going to be pretty stout. They've also got Henry Ruggs. And I think we've seen that combination on the field pretty much only twice all season. One is when they beat the Chiefs outright for 43-odd, and then the other one was when they beat the Saints outright at home on Monday night. Um, Chargers also could be missing Joey Bosa. I think that's likely they're missing Joey Bosa. They obviously traded a, a decent corner in Desmond King. So I, I just don't see any reason at all why both these teams shouldn't just be marching up and down the field. Brett, this is, uh, these are two of the teams. If someone asked me, like, who are the two most meh teams in the NFL? I would be like, Raiders and Chargers. Like, it's just like both uh, glimmers of hope every now and then. And then other times where you're just like, oh, God, these teams are horrible. Are, are they, what are they made out of? So, like, right in there as like two of the most meh teams in all of the NFL to me. Um, I don't have a, a strong lean one way or the other. When this thing was at two and a half, and I missed the opportunity as the Raiders is two and a half point dogs. I would have, I would have made the Raiders and a teaser leg for me, probably like the anchor of a bunch of teasers for me and getting the Raiders up to eight and a half uh, would have been a, a really strong play. I missed that opportunity. This thing's been bet down, as I said, to where that's not there anymore. So looking at one on either way, again, you can, uh, you can have it either way. You like it. This is a straight recency bias play for me after the way the Chargers blew that game last week. I think that's baked into where people bet this game early this week. I usually fade the Chargers, but I see this as a good buyback spot on Herbert against this putrid Raiders pass defense. 27th DVOA, 25th in yards per pass allowed. And I'm with Brad on the over two. Like he said, the Chargers love to move through the air quickly with Herbert. And I think they should be very successful here against the secondary. And yeah, that forces the Raiders to throw it around and try to keep pace through the air. They can't run the football uh, as much as they try to with Gruden. So I don't know why they would even bother here. So I, I think the over is a great play. Yeah, I like points as well. Um, I think that points are, are probably the way to go in this one. This, this one of those, it wouldn't surprise me either way, right? Like if we look back on this game and the Raiders end up winning by double digits or the Chargers end up winning by double digits, it it would not surprise me in the least bit. But I think any way we look at it, it'll have points scored and it'll be a high scoring game. So um, yeah, definitely like points in that one. Not sure I'm going to be playing a side. Uh, Brett, this one's uh, not incredibly sexy. The Pittsburgh Steelers have now got up to two touchdown favorites over the Dallas Cowboys, who are, are they still playing it, Coy? We still don't know if it's Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. Is that, is that what's going on here? Like, they're still not going to tell us who's starting at quarterback for them. Uh, 42 and a half. There's a 42 as well. There's even a 41 and a half out there as far as the total. And yes, we are, if you're doing the math correctly in your head, someone's going, wait a minute, 14-point spread, 41-point total. What would make that implied team total for the Cowboys? And yes, it's in the 13-point range is uh, an NFL team and a 13-point implied total. Uh, do you have any opinion on this game at all? I have not a single note <laughs> on this game because I don't know who's playing quarterback. This, yeah. this looks like it could be a sleepy spot for Pittsburgh. I want nothing to do with this game. This is a lot of points, but Dallas is so freaking bad. I, I don't know. I have nothing. It's here. like you take a bad team and then you try to make it worse, which is kind of what's going on here. And Brad, like I said, we're looking in the 13-ish point range for an implied team total for this Cowboys team to let you know just how pathetic everybody thinks that they are and how they're going to be. Uh, but is two touchdowns too much in this game? 
again, we've got to got to stick to the rule. Don't back bad quarterbacks yeah. here. Um, <laughs> just just don't back the Cowboys. Like they are the Jets. They are as bad as the Jets, mm. and probably worse than the Jets because you're going to have a third string quarterback here. Probably whoever it is, Garrett Gilbert, whoever they, they're probably going to be better than Danucci because that might have been the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but they will have no protection. This is the best pass rush in the league against you know like a third string left tackle. It, this is an awful offensive line. So yes, the Steelers may not care. We we know Mike Tomlin as a, a road favorite is you know he's, he's good again. The team fired up for the big games, but they can be a bit sleepy when they're expected to win. So I, I've not laid it either, but just. This is the worst matchup imaginable for the Cowboys. The Steelers could not try for three quarters and still hold them to zero points. Right, no so that's my thing. It's like it's like it's basically like a Steelers or pass. I think situation for me because it's yeah. they're the realm of if we're looking at kind of like the realm of outcomes here. I think more times than not, they probably do win by more more than two touchdowns. It's basically like we're saying though. How soon is Tomlin going to wave the white flag and just say like, okay, in comes backup quarterback, backup running backs, backup wide receivers. Like I'm not going to take any chances on getting any of these guys hurt. We don't need to do this. We're going to be in a dog fight to win this division as in, in our division as it is anyway. That's my only concern as far as backing the Steelers in this one. I think they're going to, I think the defense will create short fields for them as well. So they won't have to do all that much to score a bunch of points, but um just the the whole worry of and I think it's a would be the right thing to do for Tomlin and I would not even question his decision to do that. I think the right thing to do would probably be, hey, get a lead and get your your key players out of there. I mean, you're still going to be in a battle with the Ravens for that division, you know, so um, I, I, I'm with you guys. It's just uh, it's a Steelers or pass for me, but I don't think I can pull the trigger on the on the 14. The Miami Dolphins, led by Tua Tagovailoa, head on the road to the Arizona Cardinals. This thing opened at four and a half. It has been bet down to three and a half. It has gone back up to four. So now we sit as um, as about universal four. There is a three and a half over at FanDuel if you are looking uh, to bet the Cardinals. If you're looking to bet the Dolphins, there's still a four and a half available out there at points bet. So, um, you know, a full point on either side if you're looking to whoever you're planning on betting on. So, Brad, we didn't really get to see a full performance out of Tua in his start because they didn't need him to do anything. They didn't ask anything of him because the defense got him a four-touchdown lead in that game. And so they didn't really need him to do anything and didn't really ask much of him. So this is kind of almost like his first start again here. This will be the first one where they're actually going to ask him to have to play quarterback against a Cardinals team that uh, has actually shown some signs of life on defense here the last couple of weeks has looked a little bit better. And um, I don't know. I am, I am, I think I'm on the other side of most people on this game. What say you about this Dolphins Cardinals game? Um, I laid the four with the Cardinals here. Um, so I'm not on the opposite side of like- most people then. All right. So yeah, I, 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 I thought a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people talking very good about the, the Dolphins, and I get it, but I mean, uh, I, I'm on the other side of that. Yeah, well, you, you know, I've been, a, I've been a big Dolphins ramper all season. I've got a lot of Dolphins for the AFC East. Uh, I've liked them a lot, but I think that's Fitzpatrick, not Tua here, not, or not the rest of the team. Um, it seems like a lot of people are giving Tua a pass for last week, you know, three yards per play. He was 
graded awfully by Pro Football Focus, um, by QBR, by by people who watch the game, you know, by analysts. Um, mm. And everyone's like, oh, we didn't have to do much. They had the big lead. Well, there's there's no there's no way that the plan was to get a hundred yards of offense like midway through the fourth quarter. That's <laughs> that's not the plan whatsoever. Um, so, and we, we spoke about this last week. They don't protect well at all. They've got the 31st ranked uh, offensive line by pass block win rate. And, and Fitz was covering that up. And, you know, as I say, they didn't move the ball last week. They, they didn't protect, really. They tried a lot of screens, couldn't run the ball, couldn't do anything at all. And I don't see why that's going to be any different uh, this week. And on the other side, I, I am confident in the Cardinals moving the ball. Um, I would say, again, with... The reason I think we're possibly seeing the Dolphins overrated, there are quite a lot of factors. One is that the the, the head coach, I forget his name now, who was the head coach of the Dolphins? Flores. Brian Flores. Flores, yes. Brian Flores. So he, he he was part of the team that came up with the game plan in the Super Bowl a couple of years back to, to hold down Jared Goff. So they kind of knew how to stop him. They did that. They did a lot of zero blitzing. Um, so they kind of shut down all the bootlegs and all the all the motion stuff that the Rams are doing. And then the other thing was that the, the Rams side of the field was in the sun and there was a there was a screenshot of the TV in the game and the Rams were in about 120 degrees over there and the Dolphins were in the shade. So I think there's a lot of reasons that that win is, is not as good as it looked. Uh, and the Cardinals, they're, they're a very strong offense. Top 10 in um, early down success rate. Kyler Murray's going to be running around. I believe Kingsbury's going to cook up some, some bits through throughout the bye week. Um, so just all in all, I made this game close to six, so it was happy to lay the four. Yeah, I, uh, I did as well. I listen, even with Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Brett, he was only throwing from a clean pocket on like 62% of his passes. And that is, and that's Fitzpatrick who's been in the league forever, who has seen every blitz, who has seen every coverage, who at least has an idea of kind of what's going on. Now we throw in Tua and this offensive line not going to be able to protect him. And Tua's, look, I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback. I think he's going to be super. But there's something to be said in changing from the college game to the NFL game and seeing all these different types of blitzes, seeing the speed difference and and being able to recognize all the stuff that's going on. And I think this could be kind of a welcome to the NFL kid type game for, for Tua in this, I thought the line was short as well, uh, Brad. I thought it was going to be closer to six. I thought it would approach seven, and um, instead go in the other direction. Brett, what are you? Uh, what are you reading into this game? Yeah, last week's result against the Rams was one of the most misleading box scores of the season. So even though I have been a Miami fan all season, I'm not reading into that as a you know Miami is a world beater type result. Jared Goff handed that game to Miami early, and the Dolphins essentially just sat on the ball the rest of the way so we didn't get to see much of what this Tua offense is going to look like in neutral script and how that might be a benefit to the Dolphins going into this week that said though the look ahead on this was Cardinals minus six it's now sitting at four after that Dolphins win last week so I do think there might be a little line value built in because of the final score uh, you know, certainly we haven't seen anything from Tua to be confident that he's ready to lead an NFL offense and he's actually going to have to score points this week against Kyler Murray. I've I've been higher on the Dolphins than most, so I do see this as a pretty fair line. But just in case my bias is over adjusted, I think betting Cardinals at minus four is perfectly fine, like you guys are doing, given how the line moved after one weird result. So I don't really have a lean on this mm-hmm. one way or another. But I think I think Cardinals is, is certainly fine. Yeah, I um one of the things for me is you know one of the reasons that they had so much success last week 
against that Rams team was they were getting to Jared Goff and Jared Goff was, you know, panics and wets the bed. And what we've seen from Kyler Murray so far, one, he's only been sacked nine times this year so far as it is anyway. Compare that to a guy like Joe Burrow who's been sacked 28 times so far this year. That can kind of give you an idea of, of how, one, how good the offensive line is protected, and two, just the escapability of Kyler Murray as well. And so even if they get pressure on him, what we've seen time and time again is Murray, one, being able to escape, two, making plays with his legs and making plays on the move. And so I uh, I really like what I see in this Cardinals team. I actually think that this Cardinals team is kind of on the up and up here um, for the rest of the season. So I'm pretty bullish on this team. So maybe my bias is kind of coming in a little bit as well. But hmm. I did. I laid the four and I'm I'm pretty confident in it um, from everything that I've seen. I think that this is, could be a... Uh, like I said, welcome to the NFL kid type situation for Kyler Murray. Uh, all right, Brett, let's head to Sunday night. And man, what a Sunday night game are we getting here? The Saints and the Bucks. And yes, Brady versus Breeze. You were only hearing about 9,000 times between now and then. So yes, it is. Uh, if you didn't know, they're toggling back and forth between career touchdown passes. I'm sure they won't mention it on the broadcast. So let me mention it to you here on the podcast um, sitting at four, four and a half right now in uh, favor of, it looks like pretty much universally four and a half in favor of Tampa Bay. Now, the interesting thing heading into this and guys, we have no further information for you because we're taping this early on a Friday. Drew Brees has always sat out on Wednesdays. He's done that basically for the past decade. That's just his routine, but he always practices on Thursdays and Fridays. Drew Brees was on the sideline yesterday on Thursday, not practicing for the Saints, apparently has a shoulder issue. He is trying to kind of like talk it down, but there is a very non-zero chance that we could see Jameis Winston against the Bucks on Sunday night, baby. And like, this could be a very real situation. Um, let's handicap this as if Brees is going to play and then we'll just circle back around at the end and just say if for whatever reason Breeze does not uh, able to get out there because this shoulder injury they deem it you know a little bit too bad he's not going to go so let's just uh let's go with yes Breeze is going to play so at that point Brett it's sitting at four and a half yeah a lot of fun uh narratives going yeah. this one we also might see Antonio Brown in a Bucks yes. uniform for the first time my main concerns and questions about this Bucks team involved what this offense looks like without Chris Godwin. It's, it's one of the reasons why I ended up on the Giants on Monday night. Brady was missing that trusty short to intermediate option. And this offense has really struggled without that piece of the offense because Brady has not been able to make use of Mike Evans's talents on downfield throws. Now with Godwin trending toward now possibly playing and plus the addition of Antonio Brown, you've got players who can separate and allow Tom Brady to get the ball out quickly, take advantage of this Saints secondary that has been mediocre all season, 17th in yards per pass allowed. Uh, we know what this Bucks defense is. They showcased their talents the first week of the season at New Orleans and every week since. If the Bucks offense can start clicking, I don't think there's a question. This is the best team in the NFC, certainly the most complete team. And I think this line should reflect that a little better than four and a half. I think this is a, a bit of disrespect, and especially when you factor in Breeze is not fully healthy. And we already know this offense has struggled with him under center. So 
I like the Bucks quite a bit here. Brad, I'll I'll fully admit I thought the line was fair when when Breeze when I just assumed this was going to be the Saints, right? I thought we're looking at you know Michael Thomas coming back finally. We know Emmanuel Sanders is off of the COVID list, so he's going to be able to go. People were worried because Alvin Kamara sat out Wednesday. Turned out to just be a maintenance day. He was a full practice participant on Thursday, so not that big of a deal there. So it looked like we might finally get back the the full Saints team that we really hadn't seen one time at all this entire season because even when they had players at the beginning of the year on offense, the defense was all banged up, and then when the defense got banged up, they had offense. So we haven't seen a complete Saints team this year. I thought this week might be the closest version to that. Then this Breeze news comes out, and I'm kind of like, ah, man. So now I look at this line at four and a half, and I'm like, a banged-up Breeze who, by the way, only attempted one pass last week of more than 20 yards downfield. He only completed three passes of further than 10 yards down the field. He threw 13 passes behind the line of scrimmage last week. Now, listen, this is just, this is who this team is. This is who this offense is. So it's not like we're, it's necessarily an indictment of Drew Brees. This is how Sean Payton and them have decided that this is the best formula to win for the Saints. But, um, I'll tell you, 41-year-old dude, shoulder injury, um, I don't know. It's starting to sway my opinion, I think, a little bit. What say you? Uh, Yes. So I think one of the reasons he was not throwing downfield last week was probably that wind, which was kind of 20 miles an hour plus. Um, And, you know, it would be different if he's in a dome, but he's back outdoors again, and it's currently projected for 19 mile an hour winds. And I think at this stage of the, their careers, it's probably fair to say Brady's got the better arm. He's more willing to, to zip it through the wind. Um, I mean, scary. neither of them are good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, if James, I would like Jameis to play, to be honest. I think we'd get, we'd get a great price on the over, for, for one thing. Um, so let's, let's assuming Breeze is in there, line mm. is four and a half. Assuming Godwin is going to play, I would probably lean towards the Saints. Um, I don't think the offences aren't that different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's sixth in offensive DVA, New Orleans is seventh. And as you say, they've been playing most of the year without their top receiver, you know, last week with no no receivers at all, really. Um, it's Traquan Smith or Bust. So I, I think they can move the ball defensively. There's not that big a difference. You've got New Orleans top 10 in the defensive DVA, despite a tougher schedule than Tampa. Um, and obviously, Tampa are, are one in DVA. But, you know, I'll, I'll always back the offense over the defense. And, and they're, they're quite close there. So, we give them one for home field. Are Tampa Bay definitively three, three and a half points better than New Orleans? Not, not for me. Um, but this win does does throw things in, you know, does throw a wrench in the mix because I do I don't want to back Breeze with with the win. So it's it's a pass for me at the minute. I, I would keep an eye on it. If it drops below fifty mile an hour wind, then uh, I, I might take a bit of say, four and a half. Yeah, I'm glad that we were we. I'm glad we broke it down, but it's kind of the same thing. This is a this is a wait and see. And fortunately for us, this is a Sunday night game, right? So we'll be able to get a bunch more information between now and when this game is going to go off from a weather standpoint, from an injury standpoint. Who's going to be in? Who's going to be out? Are we definitely going to see Godwin or not? Are we definitely going to see Michael Thomas or not? Is Drew Brees definitely playing or not? So uh, more of an informational uh, need for me for me to take a side on that one. So um, I'll wait and see. We'll have a video up on the site, though, so uh, take a look at that. Monday night. Oh, barn burner here. Um, yeah, so let's uh, a great one to end the, the podcast on because we're all going to go like, are you kidding me that this is our Monday night game? 
Brad, it is the Patriots and the Jets. This thing is now sitting universally at six, uh, at seven and a half in favor of the Patriots. So the Patriots, despite how, how they have looked over the last several weeks, are more than a touchdown favorite over the New York football Jets. I know you have just a super solid opinion on this game. I'll be honest. I may have spent 30 seconds thinking about this game. Good, I've got, good. I've got I'm glad I've to hear that. Nothing. <laughs> I'm glad but to hear that. If Brett's going to think, we'll, we'll go to him. No, that is, I'm glad <laughs> to hear this. No, guys, this is what this game yeah. deserves. We are giving this game what this game deserves, which is none of my time, none of my effort, none of anything. Like, if you're holding a Jets ticket and they lose by 28, you're going to feel like a dumbass. If you're holding a if you're holding a Patriots ticket at seven and a half and they can only muster to win this game by a field goal, then you're going to feel like a dumbass. Brett, I did not bother with this game at all. I have no interest in betting it. I, I have to watch it. I'm going to be on air. But if other than that, I have no interest in watching this game. This is just this is just a horrible, horrible Monday night game. This is what the NFL deserves for giving us these awful <laughs> primetime games the week after week we get these like monday night games that are just so i mean look nobody expected the patriots to be quite this bad i don't think nobody expected dallas to be quite this bad they were on monday night a couple times but man we're getting some really bad primetime games and it sucks because these are the games these are the most bet on games should be the most bet on games every week and i have nothing to say about this yeah i I, like i said you're gonna feel stupid holding either ticket because if when and when it doesn't get home you're gonna say like why did i bet this game anyway it's just so dumb that I bet this game. So uh, that is, it's a complete pass for me. I have no interest whatsoever in that. So Brett, let's do a quick little roundup here. Um, what are a couple of your top favorite plays on the week for people who are, uh, who are basically just fast forwarding to the end of this thing? I love Denver money line plus 175. They are also plus four. That's definitely going to be a contest play for me in Circa. And I like some of these overs bills over, and the other one was Chargers Raiders over. Um, oh, and the under in Indy Baltimore. Another one of my favorite plays. I like some totals this week. Brad, what are you looking at as far as uh, plays you really like? Uh, yeah, similar to Brett, the over in Buffalo, the over in the Las Vegas game. Got the Cardinals minus four. Um, and the other one I bet is Atlanta. Plus, no, Denver plus four at Atlanta. Uh, as far as I go, uh, I really like the Washington football team this week at under a field goal. Um, I like them at two and a half. Uh, it's already in my account as we've been sitting here. Really do like that a ton. I have the Cardinals at four as well. I think that they show up and get that done. Uh, as far as teaser legs go, as I mentioned, I think taking the Chiefs off the 10 down to four is about a solid play, as a solid of play as you can make this week. If you find some legs, some other legs that you want to uh, – tie that into you can still get the Colts from one and a half to seven and a half so you can get them uh through a full touchdown there against that Ravens uh team which we again we think could end up being kind of sloppy kind of low scoring so that favors you getting it up to seven and a half for sure in that situation if you wanted to back the bills that could end up being a teaser leg for you as well I wouldn't necessarily go that direction but um just some options for you out there as you get going, but it's a, it's a, it's a interesting week. I'm not going to say a rough week, but I'll have to be attacking this week a little bit more 
uh, strategically than I have in past. Don't love any of the sides a ton. Well, I love a couple, but I don't love a ton of the sides. So um, playing some totals, playing some teasers, playing some props and things like that, I think is probably the way that you're going to see me going this week. Guys, we are on Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify. So please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below. Let us know in the comments how you are going to be playing some of the games this week as well. If you want to follow Brett on Twitter, at Brett Colson. You want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. If you want to follow me, at Matt Brown M2. And of course, all of these games will be broken down over on the lines.com. So head over there, take a look at all that. And if you need an odds feed, if you're whatever state you're living in, we have that for you as well. So be sure and shop odds, be sure and get the best number you're looking for. Be sure and get the least amount of juice, all of that, because it really can help you become a profitable sports better. For Brad, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.